holidays. Happy holidays. We are moving into the holiday season. We are moving into Christmas. We are already in Advent. And it is, you know, just the, the most fabulous time of the year. Uh, and I, I, I really just love Christmas time. And um, I want to just say happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you're getting all of your stuff together. And guess what? It's Thursday. And it's Dr. P on the pod. Yes. Dr. P on the pod. Yeah. You know, I love um, this time of year for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is that I work, well, you know, I work hard all the time. But uh, this is the time when I begin to wind down, you know, and really get some rest. And I'm always going, I'm always saying I'm not going to, you know, decorate the house. And I'm not going to put up all those light bulbs and all those ornaments. And of course, you know, I'm putting up all those uh, ornaments and I'm putting up the tree and I'm getting ready to do all that I say I'm not going to do again because it's just something about this this holiday. And I know some of us, we talk about, you know, uh, you know, get the money out of Christmas, you know, and we shouldn't be given gifts. And some of us, you know, let's keep Christ in Christmas. And I truly believe uh, in that. I do believe that it's just, it's happy holidays and it's merry, merry Christmas. Um, I just love, I love Christmas. I love the, um, celebrating the coming of, of Jesus Christ. I love the story of of Jesus in the manger. I love the story of the three wise men, you know, watching the following this star, you know, and on the way to Bethlehem. And I love Jesus being born in the manger or oh, little town of Bethlehem. I love the music of Christmas, you know, joy to the world. Oh my goodness. I just love Christmas. I also appreciate Hanukkah. You know, I have uh, today I have family members. A shout out to uh, my niece, Melissa Deese. Uh, I have uh, uh, Jewish uh, family members now uh, who we love and cherish. And uh, we, have, we have over these many, many years, we've learned about Hanukkah. And that's a good thing. Uh, and of course, we celebrate celebrate Kwanzaa, uh, and it's just a special time, you know, special time of of year uh, for me and uh, my family. And you know, some people would say that Christmas is all about children, and uh, sometimes I say that, but I think Christmas is all about all of us. Really, it's about all of us find something special in Christmas. And sometimes we've we over the years we've lost. You know, we've had tremendous loss. We know that uh, our brother Jeff lost his mother um, this year. We've had friends who've lost their sister and their brother. And uh, and we have children. We have children uh, in our communities, uh, in our schools, who are not doing as well as we hope for our own children. You know, I asked Maurice, um, you know, Maurice, my boy, my 15 year old boy, I asked Maurice, what do you want for Christmas? And he just kind of looked at me and and I and I followed up my own question by saying, what do you what does a, a kid who have everything want for Christmas? And he said, more. 
He had the nerve to say, Aunt P, a kid who has everything wants more. And, you know, I just sat there because what an honest, what an honest answer, because this is a kid who really doesn't have a lack in his consciousness. Uh, And that's a blessing. It's a blessing that he is with someone who can bless his life. Uh, I call it all good because I was blessed. Uh, You know, I was blessed into a home that I I did not know the struggles my my parents had. uh, And Maurice don't know the struggles I have. He just knows that he's blessed. Uh, But there are so many children who are suffering during this time of year. They're suffering not just during this time of year. They suffer all year long. They're homeless children. They're children whose parents don't have uh, much to give them. Uh, You know, I come from folks who tell the story of on Christmas Day, all they had was some candy and an orange and an apple. Uh, But they grew up. They grew up and they went and got educated and they were able to make sure that I had everything I needed. I was just like Maurice. I wasn't, although I was adopted, although not really, I was adopted. Uh, who knew? I didn't know I was adopted at the time, but just like Maurice, I could say that I had no lack. I had no consciousness of, of, of lack. And Christmas morning, oh, my tree was just filled of everything I could imagine. What a blessing. What a blessing. And what a blessing for the blessings on Maurice's life and the blessings on Richard's life, my middle boy, and the blessings on Adace's life and Demetrius' life and Darius' life and all of the kids who have come uh, through my home that uh, God has poured through me to them. Um, And now some of them have children on their own. But today I have a special guest, Donna Mitchell, who is a licensed master social worker and president and CEO of Covenant Counseling and Consultation. Uh, She's out. She's out there in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, we're going to talk a a lot about mental health, but we're going to also talk about children's children's issues. And I hope that you um, as you listen today and just reflect on just your childhood at Christmas, whether it was good, bad or indifferent. um, All of my even though I had a a lot under the Christmas tree, uh, I had to also deal with the fact that my father was an alcoholic and most likely on Christmas Day, he was going to go out and get some moonshine and wreck and come in and wreck Christmas Day. Um, So on on all of the joy of Christmas and the pain of Christmas lives in me uh, today. All of it, all of it makes me who I am uh, today. But I do can say I have a balance. I have a balance. So would you please just look around your community, look around your family. You may not have to go out in the community, just look into your your family and, you know, embrace some children, not a child, but some children. For those of us who can, you know, let's make some children happy. And maybe by making children happy, we can also help some parents who who are struggling to just see a smile on their on their children's face um, this year because it's Christmas time and we are celebrating the birth of Christ who brought joy to the world and my theme this year 
is joy. I, de- I declared I was not going to buy another thing for my house, but didn't I go out and buy yet another new ornament And because I couldn't resist? It said joy, and I am flashing joy all over my house for Christmas because we are in some situation, we are in a time now where we just, we feel so burdened. We feel so depressed. We feel like we just can't get out. We feel like which way is up. And I decree and declare that in this holiday season and beyond that I'm going to declare and decree joy, joy for my life, joy for your life, joy for all the children and everybody in my life, joy for the bomb in Gilead. I'm just going to decree joy because I am celebrating the birth of Christ who brought joy to the world. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yes, it's Thursday. It's Dr. P on the pod. And we're going to have a little moment with Donna Mitchell. I'm getting educated for sure. Dr. P on the pod. Yeah. Guess what, family? We have Sister Donna Mitchell who is the president and CEO of Covenant Counseling in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're talking a lot about counseling these days because, you know, that's a conversation in our community that we don't talk about. You know, we, I know I have family members. You say, girl, you know, you really need to go to therapy. Uh-uh, I don't need to go to therapy. I got, I talked to Jesus. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't think, um... Well, you know, I know you're talking to Jesus, and I've been talking to Jesus, and Jesus told me to tell you yeah, that you, you need, need to counseling. go to the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Donna, it's so good to have you. Thank you for having me. On the me. pod today. And tell us about Covenant Counseling and um, what specific area of counseling do you work with? So we work with mental health counseling, alcohol and drug counseling. We're a provider for the Department of Children's Services. So we actually go into the home mm. and work with families who are trying to Going prevent. into the home. Yes, we have 14 therapists. And our in-home team goes into the home trying to prevent the children from being removed. Or we're trying to get the kids back home safely. So we're either working with the families, the parents, or the children, and we prefer to work with the whole family system. We can't get little Johnny well and send him back home to a sick mother and father. So we try to work with the whole family system to try to get everybody well at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some, before we start with, you know, um, the solutions, what are some of the, the symptoms of an unhealthy family, because I, Lord knows, I, we all from some some we avenue all from something. Right. But you know, we we talk about you know, well, we have so many children in foster mm-hmm. care, and so mm-hmm. many children we're taking you know children away from, and you know the system is broken. It's, we know that. Yes. Um, but what does that look like? How do you prevent that? And what is the role of the church? So number one, one of the things we try to get families to look at is where in your life are you being disrupted? 
because a lot of people come in denial. I don't know why the department is here. I don't know why they're here in my life. I ain't got no problems. I have no problems. Nothing. Okay, you don't have any problems. Do you have a job? No. Are you getting kicked out of school? Yes. You know, so when all of those systems start coming down, we just kind of walk and along with our clients to say, okay, you don't have a problem, but let's see what we can fix in the areas that seem to be diminishing in your life. And so one of the things we're doing trying to get the churches involved is we're going around not just to our church, but to area churches to let's have a conversation about mental health. Why are we waiting to the next shooting, the next suicide, to then try to do something? Let's keep the conversation going. When we see something, let's say something. And most oftentimes, we see what's going on. We see that there is um, a kid who is withdrawn, a kid who is making um, remarks on Facebook, but nobody's talking to that kid. And so one of the things that we talked about was having relationships. Let's have relationships again. Yes. Let's have conversations. Again. Again, yes. And so that we can know what's going on in someone's life when they're hurting. There's you know, hurting. I, um, you know, because I constantly am on, on the fence with, uh, on the wall, if you will, mm-hmm. with, with churches. And, you know, I find a lot of joy in, the, in today's church. And I also find a lot of sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I look at our community, uh, so often the churches are closed during the week. They open for Sunday. Yes. Um, they're, you know, the people who raised me from church and school, they were the same people, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I understand things are different, but I feel that, you know, we must get our church back at the center of the community because mm-hmm. when the church closed up the church house, mm-hmm. we have gone away. We've gone awry, right. you know, and we, this is not the first, this is probably the first, second, third generation mm-hmm. of the church now being Closed, Closed. and um, and sometimes it's very hard for you know young parents to do it all by themselves. Uh They don't have you know African Americans. African-American children have the highest rates of not having a grandparent. Because our our grandparents died at such an early age Mm -hmm. that our children don't have Big Mama in them. You know what I mean? Uh, They don't have Uncle Joe Mm -hmm. and all of Mm -hmm. the older folks that helped raise us. Mm -hmm. These young people are, they only got their young parents who are not necessarily rooted and anchored Mm -hmm. in the community and in the church. And... um, and what do you say to that? And that's, that's exactly right. So we are trying to have those relationships. Someone may not have big mom and them, but we can be big mom and them. Mm-hmm. Right. We're big mom and them. Right. So we can have those supportive, uh, responsive relationships. We can strengthen the core life skills in, in the youth and in the young adults and in ourselves. We have to realize we might be pushing 60. Or 70. Or 70. But there's still areas in our lives that we're still wearing the mask. And you made the comment, we're a happy church. And sometimes that's the problem. (laughs) We're too happy. We're too happy. We're wearing a mask as though everything is right, and then we're going home and everything is wrong. And uh, afraid to help one another. Uh, Afraid to say, you know, I'm really struggling in this area. Can you help me? 
So we're really trying to take that mask off and allow people to really have a responsive relationship and let's strengthen some core life skills in ourselves. That executive functioning, you know, that is diminished when someone is going through some trauma, that executive functioning deplenishes. And so we wonder why when we tell a youth to do three things in order, go get your shoes, take them to the car, bring your bag back, and they can't do that. They'll go get the shoes, and then, what did you say? And we wonder what happened. And so we are trying to educate the church community uh, and our community at large about mental illness, and we need to stop saying what's wrong with that child and say what happened to that child. That's where we're trying to move and shift our thinking to... And you know, you know, um, we have, we now have a culture of children that have been so traumatized. They don't know they're traumatized. And you know, and I think that, you know, growing up in Lincolnville, South Carolina, when Mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, in the in the in the sixties and seventies, trauma, for the most part was your mama and your daddy and all the people in the in the in the community mm-hmm. would take us a, a switching yes and you may you may have talked back to the teacher maybe mm-hmm. or done something so trivial but you got about five beatings mm-hmm. for that one thing you did That's you know right. what i mean That's uh, right. you know from about five different folk who weren't even, some of them were even in your house mm-hmm. you know that was trauma right <laughs> um, to us <laughs> to us but today we have so many children who are being raised by others. They're not being raised by their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was adopted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't meet my birth parent mm-hmm. until I was 22 years old. Gotcha. And I probably didn't know I was adopted until I tried to figure it out when, when I was 17, 18, okay. you know, maybe 16, 17. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a sense of oh, it's important that you know mm-hmm. that you are adopted when you two, three, four. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying one thing is right or the other. Mm-hmm. I just have my own experience, um, and I am a part of other situations where I feel the children are given too much information that they can't handle, yes. too much adult-like information yes. that yes. they can't handle, that they are expected to handle right. at five, six, seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And so, and that that has become the norm when you know mom is missing and daddy is missing, and why is mama mm-hmm. missing? And then you have the whole. Uh, penal system where daddy's in jail and mama's in jail and daddy came out and daddy went in mm-hmm. mama came out and mama went in mm-hmm. and all of this is the norm for our so children. now the norm has become now the crazy has become the norm the normal. and so a lot of what you just described is vicarious trauma right? and we're doing exactly. it to our kids exactly. so we work in working with that family system a lot of times we have to have mom or dad or both leave the kids at home. This session, we need to talk to you guys because we don't need you re-traumatizing the kids by talking adult talk in front of a four and five-year-old. And so we have to have those conversations about the vicarious trauma. And, you know, research shows that neglect is even more prevalent than the physical abuse. The neglect, the, the go, go watch TV, 
go just get out of my sight, you know, not having that Here is a screen. Here it is. Here's a screen. And that's more damaging than the physical abuse. None of it is good. None of it. That's right. But the we need to pay attention to that silent killer in neglecting our children. That's right. That's right. What are the what are the um I want to say three, but I'm going to say five. Mm-mm. What are the five takeaways that you would want to the family to hear about um, from your perspective and dealing with mental illness in our children? Because we can talk for the next right. 10 hours. Yes. Because um, I have so many things I want to want to talk about from so many different uh, angles, but I don't have the time. Um, but what are those five points that you would want to want to leave so someone can come and 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 play this over and over and over and over again you know i think the biggest one for me is asking for help okay in psalms 107 it says then they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them we first have to cry we have to cry out for help and sometimes that's where the families get stuck What goes on in my house stays in my house. And so one of the biggest takeaways is if the resounding thought comes that you might want to get some help, get some help. Then be open and honest with your children, your family. Find somebody safe that you can talk to and let them know of the struggles. We don't have to tell everybody our struggles. But let somebody you can trust know what's going on, where you can really get the help. Because if we don't teach our children how to get help, what are they going to do when the walls start falling down around them? So ask for help. Be able to be honest with yourself and others. And what else would I say about the mental illness? Just make it a normal conversation. Let's take that shame and guilt away. There's not one of us that live that hasn't experienced an ACE, an adverse childhood experience. Each and every one of us has. So the floor is not even for all of us. Some of us have a more level floor and some of us have a very tilted floor, okay? And so we need to level the floor. We need to level the playing field and reduce stress for people. If we can help reduce the stress for families, you might be a pastor, you might be a teacher, You might just be a neighbor, but you notice the stress in a mom who is single, coming home, worn out. Offer to go take the children out to the park. Let's get back outside. Let's get back to the community and let's help one another. We will say and talk about, oh, well, I noticed Sister So-and-so, she's over there, but we won't go to Sister So-and-so. We've got to get back to doing that. We have to get that. And then we have to be willing to change some policies and practices in our schools, in our church, in our government. We have to change the rules and policies that are hurting one another. We have to be able to do that. Just because we've always done it. That's good. It's not working. We've got to change some things. You know, family, as I always say, the struggle is real. It is. I mean, let's be clear. But there is The struggle is real, and God's grace is sufficient for for the struggle, okay? You know, the the struggle is real. This is real stuff. The struggle is real, but God's grace is sufficient. Family, it's Thursday, and it's Dr. P on the pod. And wherever you are, I want you to give it up for Sister Donna Mitchell, the president and CEO of Covenant Counseling. 
over yonder across the mountains in Knoxville, Tennessee. Holla! Hey.